Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Checking elsewhere around North Dakota, at the risk of sounding all too familiar to our regular listeners, the fishing report heading into the 4th of July really should encourage folks to head to the water, grab a fishing rod and some bait, or crankbaits, and go fish. For yet another week, Devil's Lake and Lake Skakwea remain go-to destinations. Look for continued walleye success on Devil's Lake using slip bobbers and a 50-50 mix of leeches or nightcrawlers and crankbaits. Try Cow Point off Grams Island with continued fair-to-good success on Pelican Lake or the north end of Creel Bay by the Towers. Really, in all honesty, pretty much all of the lake is producing activity at one time or another. Just work structure. Weather fronts are likely moving fish a bit deeper, but overall, it's still a great time to go fish. Lake Ashtabula also remains fair to good, including pike, bass, and walleye activity. The perch, though, are a tad on the small side, so be sure to sort through that catch for those keepers and let the little guys grow up. Try trolling weed edges throughout much of Lake Ashtabula for bass. Out west, Lake Oahe continues gaining in elevation, so ramp access is getting a bit easier. It's still a good idea to check access points prior to heading to Oahe, though. Farther up on the Missouri River, the tail race is starting to offer up catfish from the wing walls, with improving walleye success from the rocks. Try crankbaits at night from shore. Boat anglers are finding some walleye success depending on the time of the day, so be sure to move around to locate them. Walleye are trending towards deeper water on the east end of Lake Sakakuya, with fish also moving along the south side. But there's continued success along north shore areas. Try 8 to 12 feet using slow death hooks and bottom bouncers with night crawlers around Stanky and Centennial Bays on the east end, as well as Douglas Bay, working west to Indian Hills and Deepwater Bay in similar depths and presentations. Try working deeper water too, with weather fronts there again moving fish a little bit deeper. The Van Hook Arm and the midsection around Newtown also remain good for walleye, using night crawlers with lindy rigs or spinners. There again, work a little deeper water. Enjoy the 4th of July, and please be safe when you're out in the great outdoors. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Here is a podcast extra. So on this segment, we're going to chat about, it's kind of like foraging. To me, foraging is basically mushrooms. You know, there's other things that we forage for, but... Um, there's a lot of things out there that we don't forage for that we probably should. So we got 
Jeff Miller. He's the director of Cass County Soil Conservation District. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So what really spurred this is I seen you recently um, had did a post on your Facebook page or social media talking about elderberry. Uh, mm-hmm. Elderberry. So there's a couple direct, different directions I want to go with this. Is Some of this stuff is good edible items for us, um, but it's also good for the habitat. So what things are out there right now that, A, people could find, just go out and find, and are any of these that they may want to plant for their own purpose? Yeah, so right now there's actually quite a few edibles out out and about growing, you know, growing outside. So it's funny you mentioned mushrooms. That's kind of the first thing people think. And as you well know, generally a a good morel spot is hidden and nobody talks about or tells anybody because you keep that on your hat. Well, there's a lot of edibles that are everywhere and you can find anywhere. And, you know, there's some examples right now would be common milkweed. Common milkweed is is found all over the place. It's a, it's a, a host plant for the monarch butterfly, but it's also actually a really, really good wild edible. You can pick it, you can blanch it and, and fry it, and it tastes just like asparagus, and it's way easier to find than asparagus. All right, um, all right. You have piqued my interest now. Tell <laughs> me more about this, because, you know, we've messed around with milkweed since we were a kid because it was such a cool plant. Tell me more, how do you do that? How? What part of it yeah, do you take? So, so milkweed is really cool in that you can eat a whole bunch of different plants all the way through its life cycle. So when it's young and it's growing, you know, maybe six, eight, eight, ten inches, you can cut it off. Don't pull it, but you cut it off and you peel the leaves off except the very top leaves and you blanch it for about half a minute in boiling water just to remove that latex, the kind of sticky stuff. And then you can just uh, saute it and it tastes just like asparagus. As it gets older right now, you'll see a lot of milkweeds are getting the buds, the flower buds. I like to wait until they start to make pods. When you get a pod about one to two inches in size, pick it and rinse it off. And you can actually pickle it just like a, a cucumber. They're delicious pickled. You can wow. even wait a little bit longer until it grows a little bit bigger. And you can actually make a cheese substitute out of the inside of the, the pod before it sets seed. They've never done that before, but that's another way to eat it. So it's actually from... Wow. It's a pretty amazing plant. And then you always want to make sure when you find a patch of milkweed, you want to leave a lot of it for butterflies. You want to look and make sure there's no caterpillars or eggs on it. But other than that, yeah, go wild. (laughs) Okay, so another item that I see every once in a while, and honestly, I try and avoid it every time I'm out in the woods, is stinging nettles. Well, you haven't looked at our farm because it's everywhere. I am really curious what I can do with that. Stinging nettle is, is awesome. So when they're younger, I like to go out and, and you just cut the plant a couple inches above the ground and just peel the leaves off it. Peel the leaves all the way to the top. And then I always take that top, that real fresh growth, and kind of snap that off. That's the best part. And what you do is you take all your, all your leaves and that top part, boil it for about a minute. That takes all the sting out of it. And then you can saute it. We put it a lot in our farm fresh egg omelets or we'll eat it with venison. And it's kind of weird because when you hold that, that leaf up, you still see the stingers, but they're neutralized. But that first time you eat it, it's kind of a leap of faith because as, <laughs> as you alluded to, you walk through it, it burns. Now, as, as, as it gets older, it gets less palatable. So what I like to do as it gets older is if you have a good patch, take a machete or string trimmer and cut it down to the ground and then start harvesting it as it regrows. Because when it gets older, just like anything else, once it gets older, it gets tougher, it gets stringier, and it's not as palatable. So is there any way to, you know, like if you get 
like Kyle said, down to his farm and it's all over. Can you preserve it somehow? You can dry it or you can, yeah, either either hang it up and dry it or dehydrate it. I haven't, you can also freeze it. So you can saute it like spinach and then just to get the moisture out of it and, and freeze it as well. I, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like a, like it would be like spinach when it's done. So yep. something else that is a literally a thorn in everybody's side is dandelions. And I know, mm-hmm. I know dandelions, you can do different stuff with it because back when I was in Boy Scouts, I remember doing some dandelion stuff. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. So dandelion is a non-native plant. It actually was brought here for food purposes. And you can eat the bitter greens. They are kind of bitter of the young plants. What, what our family likes to do is actually harvest uh, bright, sunny heads and um, usually harvest about a quart or two of them and then just take a scissors and cut the yellow out. You want to keep as little green as possible. Keep, cut that yellow out, make it into a tea, and then you can make jelly out of it. And it makes the best jelly I think that I've ever had. Of course, it's not super healthy because like any other jelly, you're putting some sugar in it, but it is a great way to preserve it and it makes the most beautiful jelly you've ever seen. All right, we got about mm, three, four minutes left. Let's talk berries. Uh, there's a lot oh. of berries that are going to be coming up here soon. Yep, there's all kinds of berries, um, especially over further into Minnesota, wetter margins, streams, riverbanks, you'll find that wild elderberry. Elderberry is a fantastic plant. It's easy to harvest. It makes very good syrup. There's a lot of studies showing that it has medicinal qualities. I know for our family with our syrup, if we get a, a scratchy throat in the summertime or in the wintertime, a little bit of elderberry syrup really does help help uh, make us feel better. You can also find currants, you can find gooseberries, you can find choke cherries, um, you can find wild plums. And what I always like to tell people, if you're not real great with it, is you, you do want to download an app. There's all kinds of free ones that can help you identify a plant just to make sure that it is inedible. Most of them are hard to kind of mess up, but you never know. I know a few years ago I messed up before I started doing this, um, uh, Virginia Creeper. It has berries that kind of look like grapes. I ate them and tasted terrible. And I found out that, that they were toxic in large quantities. Generally, toxic plants taste terrible, but you do want to make sure before you start eating things that you find in the woods. You know, Jeff, you kind of piqued my interest a little uh, bit ago when you mentioned, you know, elderberry syrup. Uh, is this a syrup made strictly of elderberries or do you take your maple syrup you made in the spring and flavor it with the elderberries? How, what is nope, the it, process? Yeah, so actually I purchased a few years ago a steam juicer. Steam juicer, if you have any interest in jellies, juices, buy a steam juicer. They're amazing. They basically extract all the juice with very little effort on your part. So you extract the juice, have the pure juice. And I'll mix a little bit of honey with it and cook it down and then can it in my, uh, in my uh, water bath canner. And then it's, it, it's good to go. So it's, yeah, it's basically, and it's called a syrup. It's not what your, your uh, maple syrup is kind of a thick, sticky. It's more of a, 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 of a juice. It's not quite a syrup you're going to put on pancakes, but it is good. You are even mixed into, you know, a little bit of soda water in the summertime for a, a nice, healthy refreshment too. All right, Jeff, we only got about a minute left. Besides the edible part of all this stuff, are there conservation benefits or edible parts for wildlife or to help attract wildlife? Yes, the wild berries are are um, hugely important for birds. Um, we have a chokecherry patch. I always know the chokecherries are ripe when the robins start showing up. The robins will strip them clean in a few days. And berries, 
for birds are just like for us. They're very high in nutrients and having berry plants or bushes on a property is a huge benefit for, for birds, for insects, for kind of all wild creatures, just like everything else. The, the more food you can provide for us, the more food that we provide for the wildlife as well. Exactly. That's awesome. Jeff, if people want to find out more information about the stuff you're talking about, um, where, where should they look? You know, there's a lot of resources out there. So what I would do is, 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 and I'm, I do some outdoor writing. I would like to tell people, look into some of the, the magazines or books that really pertain to it because they are, you know, if you just find random things on the internet, you never know if they're true or not. So if you read it in a, a home setting magazine or something like that, they're going to have been kind of verified before they were printed. So take things that you read sometimes in the internet with a grain of salt and then do some more research and, and just make sure that, that way, what you're doing is safe. That is great advice. And uh, thank you for coming on Gone Outdoors. This is Jeff Miller, director of Cass County. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available. Well, then the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Until next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.